Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Tune-In. Leave us a comment, say hello, put your thumbs up. What's this one called? Everyone likes that one, do the Yeti. The I think hang, it's the... hang 10, 5? Yeah, Yeti? yeah. Not sure. Hang, hang 10. I don't know. I'm <laughs> not Andy. That's so 80s. <laughs> hang 10. My speciality. Um, yeah, here is coming through now. Hey, Maggie yeah. V. Hi, Joseph, guys. Bri, Bri. Laura, Dave, Matt, Jim, Laura. I always got to like decide, like, when do I stop reading everyone's name out, you know? But yeah. they, these guys are the first ones to see us, so very well welcome. And, um, yeah, thanks for joining us on today's Tuesday tune-in. As you all know, that we've once again upgraded um, Andy to Fee. <laughs> um, I'd say it's a definite upgrade. Um, Andy's not with us today because he's in on his honeymoon. He's so, on yeah, his honeymoon. He, he was actually got married on the weekend, and it was quite an epic event, you know, very uh, fun, very energetic. There was late nights, there was early mornings, and uh, we're back in the office, Fee. <laughs> We're back in the office, um, but Andy and Jen are having a lovely honeymoon and uh, yeah, be back next week. So normal service will be resumed next week. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that we're going to talk about today, so I've got to be Andy now because normally I don't do I this. Know. So Andy, yeah, you're the so, Andy yeah. character. So yeah, after, um, you know, a weekend of uh, partying and celebrations all round, we came back into the office on Monday. It's down to earth with a bump. And so what's our live going to be about, Fee? Uh, so this week we're talking about training um, yeah. and training, exercise, fitness, um, how fit do you need to be to do a trek? What do you do if um, your fitness has gone out the window with COVID and you've become a couch potato like a lot of us have? Um, yeah. How do you get it back on track? All good. Yeah, exactly. Because I came into work on Monday had an exercise pretty much last week, all weekend then pretty heavy, and then come back down to earth with a bump. And I realize now the trips are going ahead. We've got customers over in Nepal at the moment. Um, so everyone's all of a sudden had to like start training for trips again. And I was saying to Fee that I've really got to start training because I've got to go to Morocco in January. I've got EBC in May. Um, and yeah, we were thinking to ourselves, then, well, how fit do you have to be? You know, how much pressure should you put on yourself? What training works for you? What might not work for another? So we thought we'd do it today. And any questions you guys have about any aspect of the training that we do, that you want to do, um, any recommendations or anything like that that you want to share, um, yeah, let's get let's get going. Um, so yeah, I can see Brian already lives in Essex, so it's about as flat as you can get. So he has to run, wobble around. Don't don't give me that. He's run marathons. <laughs> um, but yeah, so talking about the training that we do, it's all going to be different for everybody. My training has actually had to adjust recently because of the knee. I used to incorporate some running, but those days are now gone. Um, and it's all about well, what training is good enough to be. To get you to Everest Base Camp, what training is going to be good enough to get you to Tupcal? Are they both the same? Um, yeah, and I know for you, you're back in the gym now as well, aren't you? You've been going. Well, yeah, you, been back, you never really left, did you? I did. I did absolutely leave for quite a long time. It's it's interesting because we get asked this question a lot about how fit do you need to be um, to do EPC, to do Tupcal, to do any of the any of the treks, and we're always, you know, very much um, encouraging of people and say, look, it's fine. You know, sometimes people say, I don't want to be the slowest one on the trip. I don't want to hold people back, and we're like, no, don't worry, that'd be absolutely fine. But as Dave says, when it when it's um when it's it faces you and you're the person that's going on a trip in January, as Dave is which isn't that long away Dave then yep. you do start to think to yourself like oh crikey um am I actually fit enough and you do start to question so we're kind of seeing it I guess from your guy's point of view now um so yeah during during the whole lockdown um the last kind of 18 20 months however long it is now yeah definitely lost a lot of fitness used to go to the gym quite regularly train quite regularly um Obviously, the gym shut down, tried to do bits and pieces at home, didn't really get on with that, was doing yoga for a while, um, you know, just just trying to do do bits and pieces. But it's it's so easy to just get sucked in by that latest Netflix series and, uh, you know, that nice bottle of Belgian beer that's calling to you and just decide to do that instead yeah. of going for going for a run. But yeah, back into the gym now um, have hit a few issues with some um, some sort of in injuries. So um, the thing that I can never remember the name of, which uh, affects the, the the from your heel underneath your foot plank. This is that plantar 
that's the yes. one that's the one i can never there remember the name of it um but yeah a bit of that so so that's proved difficult in terms of trying to keep up the running um so yeah but it's just i think it's about what i've kind of learned over the last um you know i suppose it's six months or so i've been back in the gym is just not to not to beat yourself up too much about things not to set yourself unrealistic goals to do what you can do and to just keep getting back so just showing up just getting um you know getting your trainers on getting outside um or getting into the gym that that's that first step once you've done that once you've, you've pulled on those trainers and you've stepped outside the front door even if then you do something quite um you know quite quite tame you, you just go for a little walk around the block or what have you that's a win so all of that is winning um and the more you can do of that that's when you start to really build up uh you know build up that fitness and push yourself that little bit further and realize that you can you can do it so it's all about um getting out there for me i think yeah that's what i think um not beating yourself up too bad is a really big thing i think I, mm. because when i have my knee injury and I couldn't do the things that I was doing. I'm not going to pretend like I was training hard before that happened anyway, but I was doing enough to kind of keep by. I was fit enough to do Kilimanjaro and stuff like that. So I, I usually kept myself ticking over. Since that happened, it's been really difficult not to beat myself up about mm -hmm. the things that I can't do anymore. And it doesn't just necessarily have to be a knee injury. That could be that you were just sidelined by COVID, you know, yeah. and it's some people exercise and getting out there and running and training nonstop is their coping mechanism. Other people, they're not simply able to do that if they can get out. We say mindset plays a huge part of it. Um, so the the one thing I have tried to learn and I have tried to teach myself is not to beat myself up too much if I haven't done what I feel is enough. And yeah. what you said, Fee, really rung a bell there because any amount that you've started is enough to get you started. So even if that's just walking for half an hour a day, yeah, which is how I first started training for Everest Base Camp. My very, very first uh, trip to EBC, I was really quite overweight, really, really unfit, not doing any exercise. I hadn't done anything for about two years. Um, and then when I started training, the and I gave myself a year, and it started with walking for half an hour a day. I'd leave my house, I'd walk for 15 minutes, I'd turn around, I'd walk back. Very quickly, I realized I could do an hour a day. And you think an hour, is it's easy to find an hour just to leave your front door. I spent way longer than that just abusing Netflix. <laughs> you know, so yeah, just like one episode less of Narcos or something is all it takes for me to get my exercise in. Um, yeah. And it really does make the big difference. We always say that anybody can get to Everest Base Camp. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do the trips that we do within reason, you know. Aconcagua, Island Peak, that sort of thing. But, you know, trekking. But the one thing that is absolutely true is that being physically fit, A, makes the trip more enjoyable. Brian's just come up with a good saying there, you know, train hard, trek train easy. Train hard, trek easy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I saw that too. I might actually steal that. And, uh, yeah, what, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. That? No, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you didn't put em after it did he no okay so that's ours um yeah that's really good it also helps with acclimatization because it's also true that it, altitude sickness can affect you no matter how fit you are mm -hmm. but then it's also true that the more you exert yourself the more likely you are to experience symptoms of altitude sickness so being physically fit not overexerting yourself and really trekking within your capability each day really does allow you to recover much better retain a lot of energy and it helps you acclimatize so it does make a big big difference um so yeah getting out there and doing some training is really important and the training that i've been doing ever since knee gate is um almost exclusively cycling mm. you know um and i've trained using the bike before for trips i do think there's no real substitute for getting out in the mountains and doing some hiking so i am going to have to get out there and do some of that um but like brian said he lives in sussex where it's flat you know some essex. people do you say essex it's sussex flat from sussex uh, i am from sussex um there's the south south downs so then they're, they're uh not flat but um but yeah 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 <laughs> brian's no from mountains. Essex. yeah brian's from essex where it's fat fat flat <laughs> that's a little uh brian's not freudian fat. slip there yeah that was more about myself brian's an absolute savage but yeah <laughs> if it is flat sometimes the bike can actually make a huge difference because i find that training on the bike gives me pretty much what i need i have to incorporate stretches and a lot of stuff like that so i remain flexible uh cyclists are notoriously stiff and unable to stretch so that does make a big difference 
but cycling uphill especially it's it, it's the best thing that i've found short of going to the altitude center that makes me feel like i'm at altitude i'm moving at a snail's pace but my heart and lungs are actually working harder than they ever have done you know so it really does make a big difference and it helps when you're there as well with that mindset so when you actually get yeah. there you think to yourself okay this is familiar i know this feeling i know how my body's reacting and i can slow it down a bit and i know Mm. i'll start to feel better and it will kind of obviously altitude changes things but you don't want to have the first time you've experienced breathlessness going uphill to be when you're on your way to namshi essentially yeah i think um there's some some really good points in the in the comments diane saying um you know katie's quite limited um her her daughter with having little ones so it's hard to train and i and i think that's right everybody has got different things there's injuries there's personal circumstances there's where you live um so there can be real limitations on on what you can do and it's about finding what you can do and what works for you and what works for your lifestyle so for some people it might be getting into the gym because that might be what works for them that's what works works for me because I can do that on my way to work or on my way home from work and, and and that works for me um and you've got things like the step machine in the gym which is great um if you haven't got that if you are in a flat area and you haven't got those hills and and mountains around you then getting onto the stepping machine and starting to build up that kind of just that yeah slow step by step by step but at quite a you know decent pace so you're getting out of breath you're feeling uncomfortable is great but that's not necessarily an option for everyone it doesn't fit with everyone's lifestyle so it's it's doing what you can it might be getting on the bike it might be going out with those kids and you know running around with them because you know kids love to run so you know just getting a bit breathless um in the in the local park and and yeah. doing a bit of bit of tag or a bit of you know whatever game they they want to play it's trying to make it work for your for your lifestyle um but but just getting out there and doing something, I think that's the key kind of takeaway. The longer you, um, the longer you don't do something, the more you put those barriers up. And, and as Dave was saying, it's it's so much about mindset that when you put those barriers up, then you start to think, you know, I haven't done it for so long. Can I do it? Do I want to do it? I don't know if I if I'll be able to do it. So just putting those trainers on and and getting up and doing something is just so so important. And then it just start, does start to become easier um so i think that's that's really important so if people have got um other tips i can i can see there um uh we've got someone saying that the friend does squats while brushing her teeth morning and night you know that's fantastic so that's just doing something (laughs) in the house um in yeah in the house um while you're doing something something else but building that into your routine so it becomes part of your routine that's amazing i love that i might yeah i'm gonna say i might try try that but i feel like i'm just gonna dribble um brushing my teeth I'm going to dribble all the toothpaste down myself if I start moving around while I'm brushing my teeth <laughs> yeah I can see Shona as well sadly Shona said that she's actually gone back to the gym um and immediately done your back in yeah oh, no. you're a- absolutely right there because um one of the things of course we're going to talk about is managing injuries and things like that and how you do it because it's been a big feature in my life I think everyone's asked me on every live which is so appreciative um but honestly uh, I've, I've recorded some videos about um the process of me going through the operation and the physio mm-hmm. afterwards and i think i'll release them one day andy's always shouting at me to do it but i kind of did it just as a way for me to moan without sounding like i'm moaning about my leg to all my friends so i just moan into the camera but um yeah i think absolutely patience is the one thing and not yeah. to put any undue pressure on yourself if you're anything like me shono then you woke up the day after you injured yourself and you were already annoyed that it wasn't fixed you know, and a week later, I still wasn't fixed and you won't be and you'll be even more frustrated. And then before you know it, you might start to throw caution to the wind. I think I've said in the office a few times, I don't care about my knee anymore. I'm done with it. I'm just going to do whatever I want. But I, it's a, you know, you're allowed to vent, but then it's important to come back around and understand that, you know, human beings inherently, we have these issues, <laughs> you know, as a bipedal ape walking upright means yeah. that we hurt ourselves and we've got, got to give it time to heal. and it will heal and you will get back to where you were before um or if not to how you were before you might even be an improved version because you'll amend your training to avoid further injury and you'll find a way in order to do it um i actually hurt my back a few years ago as well and it uh, i do feel for you because it is it does feel quite debilitating and stressful Mm -hmm. but honestly there are loads of things you can do and i think the most important thing is to rest um yeah yeah and Sorry, I was just going to say it's really interesting in, in the in the comments here that we can see how many people have got 
different different you know injuries and different different um, restrictions and different things that are going on there um so for people when they're asking that question of like oh am i fit enough to go am i going to be the slowest one in the group am i going to hold everybody up actually if you if you're reading these comments you can see that there's 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 not really anyone who isn't carrying some kind of of um you know something with them uh be it an injury or just you know restrictions on their time or what have you so you know hopefully that makes everyone feel like they're kind of in the you know i think we are all in the same boat uh, it's very rare to have someone who is is completely injury free and has trained a hundred percent for for a trek and is like you know raring to go there's always something going on in the background you know whether that's physical or even mental uh, people that yeah. people are carry, carrying with them um and that's why it's so nice to do these treks as part of a group and as a team because you because you get each other through it you know the support yeah. that you get from the other team members is what's gonna what's gonna get get you through it really yeah one thing that really um i'm gonna give a recommendation for a book i think this might be my first ever book recommendation and it was something that jen actually got me um Jen, who's the lesser spotted did, did, did I miss that present? Uh, I think you, I think you missed that one. So yeah, I yeah. Off. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think on that day, actually, for you were, um, yeah, you had you had that holiday. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so it was called Atomic Habits. It's not a very big book, but it's really, really great. And what it talks about, um, they, they use habits and atomic quite deliberately because atomic is something, an, an atom is something that's incredibly small. And that's all it takes in order to start forming these new habits. Um, one comment that I've just noticed there from Kim Williams, um, that is a problem that I've constantly through myself, mm. not necessarily the night shifts, although I did do used to do them, but also I constantly feel like I have something to do. I've got to go here, pick that person up, drive there, do work, answer this call. And you don't feel like you have any time and space in your mind. And I always sometimes complain to people who train a lot and say, I wish I could do what you do. And they always say, you've 100% got the time. You've just got to snap out of it. But that might be too big of a change for you you know, to do. And I appreciate that it's really hard for people that train all the time to understand why people like us say we've got no time. And it's really hard for people like us to understand how they get their time. But they probably didn't start, very few people can start training five days a week right off the cuff. It yeah. starts with little tiny changes mm -hmm. that develop into new habits. And then you build on that like a, a tiny little change at a time. And one of those things might be deciding just, just mentally, do you know what? I'm going to decide for Monday that I'm someone that's going to do exercise and I'm going to have that in my mind and I'm going to think about it a lot. And then you might take a week or two just to plan that in and just think about it. And, and then what you'll do is start walking half an hour a day, even if that means you have to get up earlier, which yep. I never do, which I <laughs> never do. I'd rather go to bed later. So quite often when I started walking, I used to do my walking late at night. So at around 10 o'clock, I think oh, I'm going to go to bed now. I'll do half an hour and then I'll come back and I'll sleep better. And it made a little difference. Um, and then within a few weeks, I was doing an hour a day. Um, and then by within six months, I could run 5K. You know, very, very soon after that, zero miles to 5K was harder than 5K to a half marathon. You know, mm. that, that first 5K is the most difficult to attain. But then, honestly, when I went to base camp, I was the best I'd ever done. It was the fittest I've ever been that first time I went to base camp. And it started a year earlier by getting my lazy ass to walk half an hour a day. So honestly, Kim, you can 100% do it. But um, have a read of the book Atomic Habits. See how it'll work with you for getting the training done. And it, I guarantee you it'll make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just reading, reading through some of the comments, and I don't think there's anything anything that we've uh, that we've missed there. But um, there's a great comment from Jerome. Um, hi, Jerome. Um, great for general fitness and muscle tone is getting an allotment. So you know, back to what we were saying about what fits in with your lifestyle um, and what works for you. So yeah, you know, a bit a bit of gardening, a bit of um, litter picking you know whatever it might be whatever it whatever fits with your lifestyle and fits with what you can do it's about as dave said that atomic habits of thinking about how can i make this switch so what what time have i got what interests have i got where can i fit this in that's going to work for me and you might try several things you know you might try i don't know going to the the, the local pool and starting swimming and actually then you work out do you know what this, this isn't for me i'm not loving this because yep. you've got you've got to find something you enjoy and something that works for you but then once you find it um then you'll be away and, and you'll start off just doing a small bit every 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 week um and then you'll you'll just you'll start it'll start to snowball and you'll find yourself just doing it more and more and more and that's how you'll get your fitness up but yeah as dave was saying earlier actually getting out um 
getting out into um, the great outdoors and, and doing hikes and treks um, is a brilliant way of, of, of getting ready for any of our treks. Um, so whether that's something you plan in on weekends, you plan in with friends, with groups, you know, if a friends are saying to you, you know, let's get together, we haven't seen each other for a while, you know, let, let's have a drink at the pub. Why not say, yeah, great, let's do Let's do a couple of miles first. We'll do a bit of a hike and we'll we'll finish off with a pint in the pub afterwards. Yeah. You know, rope other people in as well. Yeah, it makes a big difference having a, having a wingman with you. Um, I see, um, I had a message here from Laura Douglas. Must be a relatively new viewer. Um, did I hurt my knee from hiking too much? Oh. <laughs> uh, because I think I've over, because I think I mentioned it a lot. No, actually, Laura. So I was um, hiking. I've always had um a bit of a dodgy knee. Ironically, it was my right knee, which is now my good one. Um, but, you know, it was always managed pretty well by going, you know, slower down hills. The introduction of hiking poles made a big difference for me when I was hiking. And also getting the right boot and um, insole combination. Um, it took me a long time to figure this out. Um, but I use um, a specific set of boots. The ones I use are Mandel Boutans. Um, and I use an insole, which is a Superfeet Trailblazer. Both of those combined give me such stability in the foot, and then it goes right the way up to your back. You know, that stability carries on. Um, but I know I hurt my knee mountain biking. Um, I completely snapped my ACL ligament in my left knee um, and had to have an operation um, where they grafted some hamstring into my kneecap as a new ACL. Um, the difficulty with that is that it just takes a long time to heal about a year to become a fully functioning part of your knee until then it's very fragile so i'm having to sort of although i feel much better i can't go back to doing what i was doing because i have the knowledge that if i do i could fracture my knee again um, but yeah that was uh, that was a ball of laughs <laughs> that whole period honestly though friends got me through that big time like everyone in the office like fee like ev everyone um massively helped me because you know, they give you such like cheers when you can walk to the cooler and get yourself a glass of water and they offer I was gonna you say to, I was going to say to the coffee machine or to, to the kettle to make a cup of tea, but that doesn't really happen. So you know. No, no. I tell you what, Fee did, you did for me. You gave me that pillow, which I, <laughs> I used. I did my, my pregnancy pillow. I've never been pregnant, but um, <laughs> pregnancy, pregnancy pillows are really comfortable. My friend was pregnant and got one and I just had such jealousy levels. I just got myself anyway, despite not being pregnant. Um, and then, yeah, lent it to Dave because it is, um, it's like a full body support. So when you're, uh, when you're in bed or just on the sofa or what have you, you can, um, you can kind of use it in different ways to support different parts of your body. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a bit of yeah. a winner for you, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, totally. It, 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 I still use it now. I mean, I don't need to, so I, ideally I should give it back, but, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, been... it's yours now. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, that was a game changer. But yeah, everything. Andy bought me a wheelchair. <laughs> you know, that was a, that's true. Yeah, so I could because um, there was a period where because I, I didn't just hurt my ACL, I fractured my um, patella as well, and did another little bit on the MCL, a little tiny tear. So what it meant was it was just a um, it was just a bit of a nightmare to walk. For some reason, Bry's asking you a pint fee. Give your head a wobble. I t I know. I, I I don't know what that means, but I'll give my head a wobble if that means you're going to send me a pint, Bry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a really good message from Lewis there as well. He's mentioned that he was um, he's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and really put a mm. downer on things. And I understand because um, I've actually trekked with um, two people that had it, and they said it was. Um, incredibly difficult to deal with because obviously there's no physical signs at least when I had my knee you know I, I could look down and visibly see it was broken um, but no well done for all the things that you've achieved there mate you've done Tupcal a couple other 4,000 and 3,000 meter peaks um, yeah that's awesome keep going and that's the one thing about overcoming these barriers that are thrown in front of your training mm. especially when you first start off so if you were someone like shona but you'd never trained before you go to the gym and two weeks in you've hurt yourself well you've got to think of it okay you're going to recover you will recover why did you hurt yourself maybe you were going too hard i'm not saying this about you shona but generally speaking you may have been going too hard too fast and you may need to slow it down again it's about those atomic habits which just little changes make a big difference the first month you're in the gym you might not actually see the gains um because it might all be about learning what sort of training you want to do you might try some things and then put them aside and go back to doing others um but yeah i do lo i'm loving some of the messages that are coming through here because i'm really glad that it's kind of touched a nerve because it's easy to tell the people that train all day, every day, 
what they've got to do because they're already in that mindset. But we want everybody, everybody who has a dream to go on an adventure to be able to do these things. And under the umbrella of everybody, there are those people that will struggle for various different reasons. A lot of it to do with mindset, with how they start um, and how they get fit enough. And yeah, this is really great to see. Um, There's a really um, good question here from um, Sean. Uh, running and weights, Dave, can you gain enough fitness for EBC just doing this? I mean, we, we do always say, um, you know, the best training is getting out into the mountains, getting out on hikes and treks. But um, but what do you think if you uh, if you don't have any access to that? Can yeah. you get yourself fit enough just in the gym? Yeah, totally, totally. Running and weights is, um, yeah, it's really good. So if you're getting all of your cardiovascular fitness from running, that's great. I would encourage you to incorporate some hills because it does start triggering mm -hmm. different muscles, muscle groups and things like that when you do hills. As I'm sure you know, if you're a runner going up and down hills, you'll have, if you do a, a hill session, you'll be in, you, you know, your quads and everything and it will be much more painful that day than the next day um than if you hadn't so yeah do some hills and weights is really good actually especially things like the build endurance um for your legs and your core um because one of the things about trekking mm -hmm. for long periods of time so when you do everest base camp you're trekking for 11 days in a row one of the things when you are walking for 11 days in a row across uneven ground carrying a rucksack is if you've got a weak core you might not notice it on one day or two day or three day so when you're training back home you tend not to pick up on these things after day nine of walking in a row you might start to get an aching back and things like that it's totally normal but certainly doing some resistance training and weight training will make a big big difference um yeah 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 i think i think that um that point you just made about adding some hills in dave is really important because um yeah i definitely find running and walking um on i always say you know on the flat uh with hiking i can go i can i can walk all day on the flat absolutely no problem at all um when you start to add hills in not too bad with walking and hiking um running any kind of incline absolutely kills me really hate it really struggle with it so you do have to add that in and the more you do it the the, the easier it, it gets so I have a little running route that I do um, around where I live when I run outside rather than in the gym and it's got a bit of a, a, a hill where you have to go over over a bridge and to begin with you know I was I was barely at a pace faster than a snail going past me and a, and a granny was overtaking me with a shopping basket it was it was painful going up that hill um it's not even that much of an incline um but now i can pretty much maintain the pace that i do on the flat as i go over that hill and that that little win is is, is something that keeps me going as well of like right yeah i'm coming up to that hill again now great okay got this keeping going and i have a little bit of a hoo, 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 as i come down the other side get my breathing back under control and, and off we go again so yeah you know you've got that incline button on the on the treadmill it's very easy to just get on there and concentrate on the speed and put and, and popping the speed up but don't forget that incline as well and even if that's what you know it doesn't have to be running that can be walking you can do walking on the treadmill um and that's great training for you as well um but just just make sure to put those inclines in or put it on one of the random um uh one of the random settings where you get a bit of up and a bit of down and a bit of uh, a flat all mixed in yeah awesome yeah i, lo I love it i mean i don't I like walking up hills. I actually prefer going uphill than I do downhill now. Um, but what I've had to, part of the thing that I've had to adjust about myself is that going downhill, I just go slow. That's it. I'm slower yeah. now than I used to be. There's no getting around it, <laughs> you know, and I don't care. I just get down there at my pace now and use poles. There's lots of stuff coming up here about obviously the fibromyalgia, which, um, mm -hmm. yeah, is amazing to see people dealing with it and overcoming with it because I'll be honest with you I really didn't understand it at all I probably still don't um, but I did trek to base camp with someone who had it and I've done um, I think base camp twice um, each time with someone that had it and you can really see the difficulty but I think the hardest part that they had to come over was the psychological impact of having the flare-ups um, but honestly I think that some of the things that people are saying they're doing like uh, Rosie has just said here that she's done uh, did an ultra marathon in July but then equally can wow. struggle equally can struggle to get out of the house and stuff like that and um, constantly trying to start again can be quite draining you know what I 100% um, empathize with that as well I feel like it when I hurt my knee and then one of the things that I said I felt like was that you know I, it took me years to get to where I wanted to be and I, it's not the, the loss of fitness, but it's the loss of sort of bodily function that I worry that I'm never going to get back again. But you do and you can adjust and th not the same doesn't mean worse. 
you know mm. so you might not be able to train in the same way and you might not actually function the same way doing your exercise but it's about getting out there and doing it um joel palmer said here setting small goals as well makes a big difference yeah yeah and, um, absolutely and small wins celebrating those small wins um you know sometimes you just you need to just reset um and you know you might not be able to do the things that, that you did previously but just resetting setting yourself a small goal and then celebrating that win is really really important yeah awesome um i think we might have some uh, questions i was here gonna as say well. how are the cues doing um so let's have a look so karen smith you've trained on your own a great playlist can help metallica all day for me karen <laughs> big metal fan as well so yeah i love a bit of metallica um okay so i'm going to dive into the questions this will be a mixed bag as per usual but if you do have any questions anything you want to share any experiences you want to share that's what worked for you with regards to training let us know because um you know these are watched by thousands of people not just on the live but afterwards as well people pick them up on youtube and um, i'll try and read out as many things as i can to to get people to get to hear your advice um but dave hampson mera peak or island peak dave you've done ebc haven't you um i've done EB yeah 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 ebc and go <laughs> with us guys in 2019 see i i never forget um I think I spoke to Dave Hampson quite a few times as well. Yeah, you know, I've seen this defeat. I used to know every single customer by name, and uh, now it's now it's getting hard. But I retain. <laughs> um, you fancy Island Peak for the adrenaline rush, uh, rush, but don't fancy EBC again. Your buddy Ian has booked to go with us in November next year for Mera Peak, so you're also drawn to that one. To be honest, Dave, there is it. It's a little bit like choosing between apples and apples they are different in a way um i think you, you can do island peak without going to everest base camp so we do ultimate island peak which goes over gokyo uh, two of the three high passes um and then takes you to island peak or you can just do island peak direct which is you basically trek to uh, dingboche and then you'll go up to chukung and then you'll go and climb island peak um and yeah an absolutely amazing achievement you've got the ladder crossings and everything like that or you can do Mera, which is in a slightly different region. So you actually leave Lukla via a different path. Um, and Mera has the sort of the, the stamp of being the highest trekking peak in Nepal. Beyond Mera, in terms of altitude, it becomes far more technical in order to reach there. So it's a difficult one to kind of tell you which one to go for. I would probably say if you've got a mate going and doing Mera, mm -hmm. go do Mera with your mate. Um, yeah. That's what I would do if it were me, because I always think that an experience shared is an experience you know amplified you know having to Absolutely. having done summit in the highest trekking peak in the world with a mate it's awesome um yeah but equally you know do both uh, <laughs> <laughs> come back down to namshi chill for a couple of days and go into island peak happy days um yeah awesome uh fee have you got the what questions we, as well on your, we got on your next WhatsApp? i have i have indeed um this is this is unrelated to uh to to training and um peaks um but someone's just asking how the wedding went and how the newlyweds are so um diane so just a quick response to that yeah it was a fabulous day it was really beautiful um it was a lovely location up in the in the brecon beacons um as you'd as you'd imagine when there was even a bit of snow on the top of the the mountains for the wedding day so you know that was specially for andy um and yeah it was a lovely day um andy and jen had a had a really lovely day um and are off uh, on their honeymoon now so yes thanks to everyone for their well wishes to the happy couple and um awesome. yeah it went really really nicely uh what's what else have we so got? um there's one thing i'm going to mention paul dewhurst i've met paul absolutely great guy um you know big true northerner um and you know this is a, a prime example particularly of um earlier on i mentioned that sometimes people are injured sometimes people have just been knocked by covid and it can really affect um you know the your, your mental state and i know paul has been booked on for a long long time because i remember booking him in um paul and his wife and yeah they've had to reschedule quite a few times um so now it's like oh so unfit am I ever going to get to EBC? Honestly, Paul, now is the time mm. um, to really kind of show what you're made of. People are in Nepal as we speak. People have reached base camp. People have summited Island Peak. And by that, I mean Evertrekkers. Um, yep. So the trips are happening, mate. The trips are happening. And I know you're a keen runner. I see all the stuff that you're doing. And you say you're more unfit than ever, Paul, but something tells me you still run rings around me. Um, so, mate, don't give up. We are definitely going to get you there. Now is the time to kind of dig deep um and get ready for it because i'm telling you it's happening um yeah and awesome so we've got a question here from suzette Teal. oh that's just the one i was going to read out go for it dave 
smash it for you. You can do it if you want. <laughs> happy for you to do it. So is EBC, uh, is Kilimanjaro more difficult than EBC or vice versa? Um, and Suzette's actually got, um, she's got both booked. So Killy booked in September 22 and EBC booked for April 23. So um, as speaking as someone who has done neither of those trips, <laughs> this is this is what I have gleaned from Andy and Andy and Dave. Um, they're different, basically. You know, they're, they're different treks. Um, there's a different vibe to them. Both fantastic. Both amazing tracks if i say anything wrong here dave do do jump in and correct me um but yeah ebc is you know culturally um culturally amazing really stunning landscape so you're trekking through the villages and through the culture um of nepal so you really get a feel for nepal um you'll meet people in the tea houses um obviously your guides and your um porters are all local nepalese people so you know it's it's a really great way to um experience the country and you're trekking through the landscape so you get amazing views i mean if any of you guys have seen i'm sure you guys have seen uh some of the photos that we've been putting on from the people who are out in ebc um recently and, and at the moment just stunning stunning scenery um beautiful clear skies and amazing visibility so it's just absolutely beautiful um kilimanjaro likewise stunning stunning scenery um you get to you know sort of um especially at the higher higher altitudes get to look down at the 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 plains the serengeti um but that is much more um you are climbing a mountain um well you know not technically climbing but you're trekking up a mountain um so you know you're going up you're coming down it's 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 much more of that kind of experience um and summit night um from what i've heard from dave's um descriptions of summit night on kilimanjaro uh, i'm saying summit night rather than summit day because i think yeah. you start you start about 2 a.m something like that day uh no but between 11 and 12. oh okay right yeah a yeah. little, little bit earlier um but yeah so that's you know that that's not the morning that's the night before um yeah, yeah. so yeah that's a bit of a beast um but then you get that fantastic reward of the um sunrise um from the top and you know having that amazing ach achievement um so that's my understanding of the differences dave have you got anything you'd yeah like pretty no pretty add? good i think um yeah it's a that really is comparing apples and oranges ebc and kilimanjaro i think you'd have to do both to really understand what the differences are um because they are quite vast kilimanjaro is amazing it's relatively i mean the demands of getting so it's eight day trek seven of those days are pretty manageable the altitude is certainly challenging as you get higher because you gain your altitude quite quickly but it you're really it, it, it's building for one night and that's summit night mm. as most mountains that you climb are um you know it, it's a build up and a build up and a build up and then a push for the summit and that's why they call it a summit push because you really do have to push yourself to get there so summit night is um yeah that's something that's something to really really experience it was amazing i've heard different experiences about it we went there on the back end of a bit of a storm so the night before it was like a pink floyd show in your tent the uh <laughs> sky was lit up it was pretty amazing but we had some quite high winds well, not scary winds in terms of like being dangerous but just made it cold um but mm -hmm. honestly it was reaching the summit of kilimanjaro is one of the best experiences of my life um mm -hmm. where everest base camp was also one of the best experiences of my life but i need a whole life to kind of explain the differences maybe we'll do that ebc versus killy yeah sure, I'm sure, versus killy. sure we might have done but we'll um We'll give it a revisit, go again. Revisit that. Well, and actually, Laura, Laura was just asking there as a newbie, should I do EBC or Killy first? So, you know, there's a, a bit of information there, Laura, about the differences between them. Um, and uh, I don't know, Dave, would you would you recommend one or other uh, first? Honestly, you've definitely got to do both. Yeah, I've. I've it's almost 50 50. I've met people that have done EBC first. I've met people that have done Killy first. It really depends on what draws you. So what I will do, what I would recommend is do a little bit of research, head over to our YouTube page and find the journey to base camp video and the mm. Kilimanjaro summit video. Yeah. It's called Kilimanjaro the long way. Um, have a look at those two, get a feel for it and just see which one sort of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit and, um, and then follow your nose and do that. But yeah, I think to get a real good experience, you have to do both. Um, you know, 
That's we've also got um, Lauren. Lauren has very kindly just popped the link in there. We've also got a um, podcast episode where Dave and Andy discuss this um, battle of the trek. So episode eleven. Um, so wherever you normally listen to podcasts, you should be able to find the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, and episode eleven discusses battle of the treks. Um, EBC yeah. versus Killy is in there, and also um, Mera or Island Peak is discussed in that um, episode as well. So if you've got an interest in that, Dave, you know um, Dave Hansen rather than Dave. Dave, uh, you may want to yeah. um, have a little listen to that. Awesome. Right. Yep. What other um, questions have we got so there, Dave? Let's have a quick look here. Um, so we've answered a few of these. Unrelated question. This is from Jane Moody. Uh, what uh -huh, tends yeah. to be, I think Jane's got a bad knee as well. Hopefully yours is going okay, Jane. Um, I need to check in with that's everyone that's messaged me about their knees. Unrelated question. What tends to be the itinerary for the Kathmandu tour? Um, possible okay so here's what basically the Kathmandu tour generally takes you to a number of different places i might have practiced pronouncing some of these so i'll do my best generally speaking you have some certainties we will definitely go to monkey temple um and we definitely go to budanath um which is where you have the huge big um stupa the area of budanath is um is where a lot of the sherpas live there's rich in buddhist culture and they have this giant stupa that you go there and it's lots of paintings and buddhist history and things like that it's amazing um monkey temple is another amazing place it's a temple that's both a buddhist temple and a hindu temple they worship there and as the name suggests it's got lots of monkeys and there are lots of history and historical religious stories about why they're there it's really fascinating um, and then there's a couple of other places that we tend to go. It all depends on the tour, the day, you know, the guide. One of them is the, uh, um, Kathmandu Durbar Square. Um, really, really good um, place there where there are some temples um, that you can go and see. Everything in Kathmandu is pretty sort of amazing. And I'm not one for really day tours around the temple. I do like them, but, you know, it's not not the first thing I go to but when I when I'm saying I, I love these tours in Kathmandu mm -hmm. either, I've done the trip multiple times and every time um Anuj always says to me are you doing the tour brother and I'm like yes I'm doing the tour I love it <laughs> you know um and another one is actually the um the temple which I think is called Pashtu Pastanath that's probably butchered I do apologize I should know <laughs> um but this is an um, this is quite an amazing place um but it it could be a bit of a culture shock so we're not actually allowed on the in the actual temple itself we have to be on the other side of a river the river is a tributary of the ganges and as a result um the life cremation ceremonies are taking place on that bank so on the opposite side of the bank mm -hmm. you have families that are actually carrying out the funeral rites of their loved ones their relatives um and carrying out the cremation on these pyres on the side of the river and you get to watch it happen um and you know the, there's a process that they go through with the with their the, the deceased loved one you know washing the body and then and then finally carrying out the rites and uh, cremating them and it is fascinating when you say it to some people they might think oh my god but actually it's 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 not um dark or disturbing at all it's fascinating and it's amazing and it really gives you an amazing perspective on life outside of um outside of what we know so yeah mm. that would be the tour in a nutshell um, it can depend. Sometimes we have to fly from an airport called Ramachap. Um, this all depends on what the Nepalese government tell us about the airport. So they may not allow everyone to go from the airport. They may start doing work in the airport, which means the flights become unreliable because if the work gets delayed, flights get delayed. So sometimes we make the call to go to another airport called Ramachap. If that happens, the date short the day tours cut kind of short um and then you go back to the hotel get all your kit together jump in a minibus and do a four to five hour drive to ramachap um it can be quite um bumpy <laughs> it can be quite no there are some drops it's a little bit of an adventure in itself but you know you didn't go to nepal to go to Everest base camp to uh have an easy time did you it's adventure travel you know? <laughs> so that's it um so yeah hopefully jane that's uh enlightened you a little bit uh there's another question we've got here from um from craig um which actually yeah i'm probably quite interested in what you think of this uh dave being as this is the trip that i'm probably going to do first um mm -hmm. how difficult is machu picchu um 
thinking about knees in particular as well as the as well as the altitude so obviously Machu Picchu is slightly lower altitude than than Kili and um, Everest Base Camp but it is still at altitude um, yeah. how does that kind of compare in terms of our our treks so, would you say so it sort of sits it's similar more like it's not similar to Kilimanjaro it's more of a trip we go on a route called the Tomakea route mm -hmm. which is really really quiet it is the path less trodden um it's not too bad to be honest with the altitude it's not extreme altitude so yeah. you don't get anywhere near as high as you do on Everest base camp um but the part that actually might impact the knees the most is when you actually arrive at Machu Picchu because it's very steep um it shouldn't be a problem going up but generally speaking and this goes for not just Machu Picchu but any trip any trek looking after your knees is always the same so if you do have a dodgy knee you need to strap them up it does give you extra support even if it's just what i tend to trek in now is like just a neoprene um strap that goes around my knee and it just keeps everything a little bit more in place but also makes it feel more secure and planted so when mm -hmm. i put my knee down it just feels more secure um you can also achieve that through training and everything like that but if you do have a dodgy knee that just helps and also trekking poles i can't stress it enough they make a massive difference sometimes you you start using them and you think are these even working but trust me over a long trip like machu picchu or everest base camp where you're using them day in day out going up and down hills at the end of the trip your knees will be in better shape than they were if you hadn't used them and particularly on a steep decline um, you can get the arms involved taking some of the body weight and there is a stat mm -hmm. out there that it takes something like 30% of the strain off each knee um, and yeah also oh, lessens the impact and stuff as well so hopefully that's helpful um, I, sorry Fee but I've got a serious question from Bri Bri which um, <laughs> I don't know what to I don't even know how to react. Do you know what to, to, know what to like, make, make like, about that? Uh, well, I might have to call him afterwards <laughs> and see if he's okay um, yeah. serious question for a change do you have acclimatization days on Killy? so they are pretty much built into the trip so when you're going up a, a peak like that and you want to acclimatize we talk about climb high sleep low mm -hmm. really there's no way of doing that without coming back down the mountain which we want to try and avoid if we can on a trip such as Killy, um because the mountain's so big you can't afford the time to go down so what we do is there's many ways you can get to kilimanjaro some of them five days we do the longest route which is the lamosho which is eight days what does that mean? It means you start low and you climb gradually. So you have climatization days where sort of built in to the length of the trip itself. Um, you you just gain that the altitude so gradually. And then there are a couple of points on the trip, one before Lava Tower, which I think might be Shira 2, um, where you'll actually arrive at the camp, you'll relax, you'll have some food, and then you'll do an acclimatization hike. So you'll go pretty much halfway up to Lava Tower, then you'll come back down to the camp and sleep there. Then the next morning, you'll walk all the way up to Lava Tower, register the altitude that's really high. Then you'll go all the way back down again to Barranco Camp. So the actual nature of the climb itself takes you high and then low. So that's how we acclimatize on Killy. Mm -hmm. um, it is a tougher trip, I think, to acclimatize on than, say, Everest Base Camp um, because of the nature of it. You're going higher in less time. But unfortunately, that's the only way you can do Killy. <laughs> Yep. Absolutely. Um, accommodation on on uh, Machu Picchu Sanctuary Lodge is that somewhere that we stay at, Dave Paul? Um, yes, I don't. Believe, it, doesn't, I, I, it doesn't ring I, a bell with I me. I don't believe so. No, because of the route that we go doing the Tomakea mm -hmm. route, it actually goes on. Because one of the issues that we have with doing the Inca Trail, um, and even one of the other trails, which I've forgotten the name of, Salcante, is that they attract huge numbers of tourists so you do end up in a situation where you are at the back of a huge queue for quite a lot of the time that you're trekking there so we go via another route which is the Tomakea. it's far more adventurous there's far less people um you have much more time on your own to experience the region um yeah so um i'm not familiar with the sanctuary lodge but paul i will do some research and get back to you and see if it's something that we can do fantastic um, um, I so, think oh, we covered most of the questions there. Um, I can see some more in the comments. Got, um, a few more coming in. 
Yeah, Dave Rimington has asked, can you buy painkillers on EBC? Yes, you can, my friend. Um, <laughs> you, you actually have this pill that I really like, and I've only seen it there. I call it the super mighty pill. Uh, and basically, in one pill, it's like two paracetamol and two ibuprofen in one pill. Um, yeah, it's called the super mighty pill. Wow. It's not called the super mighty pill. I call it the super <laughs> mighty pill. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I get to Namshi, I tend to stock up on super mighty pills. And, um, yeah, they're really good if you start to sort of feel like you're getting some altitude headaches or... If you get in mm. some aches and pains that really need managing, they, they really do help. Personally, I think whenever I go to altitude, I always bring paracetamol and ibuprofen. Yeah, Ibuprofen and paracetamol, they really just help with, because everyone will get a headache when they go to altitude. You can't avoid it. You go in the sea, you'll get wet. If you go to altitude, you'll get a headache. It's part and parcel of the way it goes. Um, and sometimes just having some stash of painkillers just takes the edge off, you know, makes you be able to walk around and not worry so much about it. So, yeah. That's what I recommend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've pretty much covered, we've covered it, everything, Fee. If anyone's got any questions about training um, or anything else that they want to bring up, then drop it in now. Um, all I want to say is, yes, um, this is the last day of our discounts um, absolutely. following on from our competition. So at the moment, if you did want to book onto a trip with us, today's the best day to do it this year. Um, because you can get quite a huge discount off all of the trips. And I want everybody to try and get um, booked on. Ooh, and Sorry, my lights have just gone out. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, um, I know I've had, uh, there was a message here from someone, I think it was Oliver, that said that he's booked on um, three peaks, three passes. I think, did you book on with someone else, Oliver, as well? Because I think I saw those come through yesterday. And I think it was Fantastic. a couple of a uh, couple of three peak ones come through. Yeah, so awesome. If anybody, you know, wants to book on, if you have any questions, if you are hovering over yeah. the book button, now's the time to ask us any questions because you can get £250 off any trip over 1600 quid. Basically, all that means is it excludes Tupacal and training weekends. Um, mm -hmm. And then if you want to pay monthly, which the majority of people tend to, we wanted to put an extra incentive and you can get another 100 off. So that could be 350 um, off that. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that's it at the moment. So um, anything else that anyone has, drop us a message. We'll be happy to chat. Otherwise, um, yeah, nice, uh, nice express one like the old days fee. We got done. <laughs> that wasn't bad, was it? Yeah. And normal service will be resumed next week when uh, Andy will be back in the house. Awesome. Right then, guys. <laughs> thank you very much. Take it easy. And I'll uh, see you all next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Good to see Bye. you all. Bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mount Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. Thank you.